John Perlman on 702. 3 to 6 p.m. Still to come on 702 Drive in our weekly feature, Your House, Your Home, we will talk to somebody who helps you declutter the place where you live. Imagine that. Uh, that's coming up soon. But first, let's go to the courts. Khumotso uh, Mudise has been covering what seems to me, Khumotso, to have been a very, very interesting period uh, in the Senzomayua murder trial because for the first time we're hearing directly from one of the people accused of this crime. What's been happening so far this week? We haven't spoken, I don't think, uh, over the last couple of days. Quite a lot to catch up with on, but where are we now? What's, what's actually uh, transpired over these days? Well, John, it's true that this is a rather interesting time in the trial within the trial because, as you rightly say, This is the first time that we're hearing from the accused. And, um, you know, over the process that we've seen previously when the state had its own case open and the defense was cross-examining state witnesses, it seemed that there were multiple versions being put to the witnesses. And the versions that were being put to the witnesses just kept on changing and evolving. And so, you know, it was going to be interesting to hear what the accused have to say and to kind of get a sense of what version they stand by. We've heard from Mutgao Kudelasbia, who's the first accused, about what he says happened to him. He is sticking to his guns in terms of the fact that he says that he was assaulted. He says that he signed to save his life. He says he signed the confession statement in order to save his life. And now the second accused, Wongani Ndanzi, is on the witness stand. Ndanzi's um, matter is rather peculiar, but it's a little tougher also than uh, Sibia's matter, John, because he signed not one but two confession statements. One before a, a police officer and another before a magistrate, and he was legally represented by advocate uh, Dominic Mchiako. He's taken the witness stand today, and he's also, almost as he goes along, correcting the versions that have been presented to the court. And he's speaking about what exactly happened to him from the 16th of June 2020 when he was arrested until the 24th where he was taken before a magistrate, where he uh, went to sign that confession statement. And I think the, the most that we can get out of this, John, today at least, is the fact that Ndanzi has told the court, John, that he was, when he was arrested, he wasn't asked about another matter, the Nongoma matter, a Nongoma murder, as we heard from the police who arrested him. He says he was immediately asked about his involvement in the murder of Senzo Meiwa, and that's exactly what he was questioned about and tortured for throughout that period. One of the things I, I would have thought is crucial in, in this kind of contestation in court, and, and as you call it, a trial within a trial, is whether there is medical evidence, um, and, and I'm not for a minute suggesting that that is the only thing to be considered or indeed uh, the, the, the magic bullet either way. But when, when that has come up, either to say there was medical evidence or there wasn't, what, what stood out for you? I mean, has that been prominent in, in the back and forth? Well, we heard from a doctor who testified last week. Now, I must say that he was a dentist that Bongani Danzi was taken to, court, uh, taken to to see because police were looking to determine whether Danzi ever had um, a gold tooth. And this is, of course, because the description that was given by the people in the house was that one of the intruders 
had a gold tooth. And so we heard from uh, that dentist last week, who was a state witness, actually, who told the court that, you know, Ndanzi didn't have a gold tooth. Right. Um, that's what he established. But also he established that, you know, Ndanzi didn't show any signs. He didn't see any signs of an assault. Now, of course, we take that testimony with a pinch of salt because, of course, he's not a, a GP. He's not a doctor. He was doing a check that was aligned to his work as a dentist but that did cover some parts of the upper body. And so right. he was asked across, or, or uh, cross-examined and um, examined about that, about that evidence that he gave. But in terms of doctor's notes, I think that's what you're asking about, uh, John, and whether there, is a, there are doctor's reports that are presented before the court. Both accused, that's Musal Kulala and Bongani Danzi, have spoken about how they could not, even when they cried about their, their assault, they got no help, no assistance from the police. They've said that the very police that had been torturing them, the very police that had been assaulting them, are the ones that they, you know, could cry out to or tried to tell about, yes. um, you know, uh, about what was going on. I mean, we heard Sibia last week saying when he actually reported his assault to one of the police where he was being kept at a police station, they said that, he says they went to check the books to see who exactly has been, um, you know, escorting this man. And they came back to him and he says, they said to him, the guys that are escorting you, the guys from the cold cases unit, they're just too big. They're just too senior. We can't help you, even as you're complaining about your assault. Thank you so much, Kumotso Mudise. I think it's been a pretty fascinating phase of a long, long, long running trial. Still to come on 702 Drive in a moment, we'll get some advice on how to declutter the place where you live. I could use that. It's 19 minutes past four.